Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ryan Cinematic Obsessions, the podcast where we just kind of sit and chat and talk about film, not necessarily some critic's take or anything like that, just having fun, sitting around and chatting about our favorite films. So today we're going to be talking about Tim Burton's 1989 film, Batman, starring Jack Nicholson and Top Billing and Michael Keaton. So this continues my series on talking about films that I love and film films that made my life the way it is in terms of my love of film. And so in order to give you a better understanding, I need to talk about three or four films and this is one of them. And I'm going to kind of go in order based on the time of my life where these films meant a lot to me. So today we're going to be talking about 89's Batman. So anybody who's probably listening to this almost maybe has the same story I do. You know, this was a film that I was obsessed with as a kid. One of my earliest memories is actually watching this film on VHS. And I remember there was a period of time where I was getting it on VHS every couple of years because of, I was getting it for Christmas every couple of years because of the fact that the tapes were breaking and I kept having to get it replaced. And I was obsessed, just straight up obsessed with this movie as a kid. Uh, Michael Keaton continues to be my favorite actor in terms of, um, somebody I always look forward to seeing on the screen. Obviously I have favorite actors that are still working like Pacino, De Niro, people like that. But Michael Keaton will always be my favorite. And that's because of the impact that this film had on me as a kid. So I don't really want to like start critiquing the film or anything like that. That's not really about what this podcast is going to be. Some episodes I am going to be like kind of reviewing films and that kind of thing. But I really just, I love personally listening to podcasts where people are just talking about movies that they love and talking about the memories they have with the film. So let's take a time machine way back to 1989. Uh, I was, I think I was like two years old, three years old. So way too early to see it in theaters. But I do remember in the early nineties, my earliest memories were watching this film. Also, um, when I, was a kid, me and my brother, who's a couple years older than me, used to share a room. And my parents, uh, I guess, got tired of us, you know, messing up the walls and stuff. So they actually painted the wall and we had free reign over drawing on the walls, which was crazy. So whenever a friend came over, they would sign the wall, draw pictures and stuff like that. So for years as a kid, me and my brother sharing a room, we would write on the walls and I was so obsessed with Batman that I always had a black crayon, a purple crayon, and a green crayon, and a yellow crayon. And that's because those are what I used to draw. And I would basically draw the scenes in the movie on the wall. I wish I had pictures of all this stuff. I never got pictures of it. And we, uh, I think by the time we were teenagers, had already painted over the wall. And it turned into a different kind of a room. And it was such a huge loss when that happened because so much stuff was on the wall. So my bed was in one side of the room and next to my bed 
like the head of the bed was um, a huge drawing that I had done of the cathedral at the end of the film. And then were the other side of the bed along the wall was I had access chemicals I had drawn on there. And then I had like different Joker faces and Batman and stuff. And I would basically recreate parts of the movie on my wall. That's insane. And I was just obsessed with the soundtrack and everything at a very young age. And a few years back on my YouTube channel, I was actually trying to do a series where I was talking with my mom about some of my earliest memories of film. And I wanted her to kind of counter what I was talking about with her memories of it. The uh, recording did not turn out. The audio was screwed up, but I recorded her for like an hour. But she mentioned that as a kid, I would love to watch anything with Michael Keaton in it because of Batman. And so it was a huge, huge part of my life. And I really wish I still had pictures of that wall because I had a lot of stuff drawn on it. And it just brings me back just thinking about it. Let's travel back in time a few more years after all this happened. This was when I was a teenager, and this story is actually something that applies to me now. This film is so ingrained in my brain. Many nights throughout my life, I have actually had dreams where I'm in the universe of this Batman movie, to the architecture, to hearing the soundtrack in the background. And it's so weird to me because there's sometimes, like, say, Maybe because I'm doing this podcast today, maybe tonight when I fall asleep, I'll have a dream of being in this film. And I've had so many different adventures just as a dream, uh, fighting the Joker, walking outside my front door, and I'm mysteriously in Gotham City in this film. And I see the courthouse, and I could see the cathedral down the street. I could see the movie theater down the street. I could see, um, you know all the little things that are in this film. I really like Batman Returns from 1992, but that did not have the same impact that this film had on me. And I think it's because I wasn't able to watch that at such a young age because it was a lot darker. And my parents were really trying to like not give me nightmares and stuff, but that's a whole nother story because a lot of the future films I'll be talking about are horror films that meant a lot to me. Um, but so yeah, it's kind of a weird thing to talk about because I am talking about my dreams, but there are times where I'll wake up from a nap or the morning after sleeping all night, and I vividly remember having these vivid memories of, let's take a drink for every time I say vivid. <laughs> I have all these memories of actually being in this world of Batman. I don't really see Batman. It's almost like maybe I am Batman, but there's been times where I would have like a little nightmare as a kid where the Joker would take me and keep me hostage. And I never saw him. I only heard him laughing around the corners and stuff like that. But the room that I was held captive in, I wasn't even tied up or anything. It was, I was just there. It was the room where um, Jack Palance's character, um, Grissom, you know, the mob boss, it was his office his penthouse so i had all that 
crazy artwork on the walls. Um, it was just, it was incredible. And the thing is, is that people might be like, that's pretty crazy that you had those kind of dreams. I don't think I'm the only one because of, uh, you know, this movie has meant a lot to so many people, but um, just imagine having all these dreams with the whole world of your dream being designed by Anton first, who is, you know, the guy who basically was the production designer on this film. And he came up with all those crazy, like dark Gothic architecture style, um, German expressionist look of this whole film. And I really think that's actually one of the standout parts of the film is his production design, even with the, um, matte paintings and stuff like that. You could definitely tell that, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that like, of, um, you know, the big shots of Gotham and then you zoom in and the whole movie, you're basically only seeing this one area of Gotham. Even, even then that adds to it for me and I love it. And so just imagine having dreams based on that. It's scary. Okay, so let's get into the film a little bit. Right off the bat, I could tell you that I know this film word by word. Um, I could get all the expressions of the characters right. I just have this movie down. It actually makes my wife laugh sometimes because I can't really watch it without constantly being annoying and giving every single, you know, line reading of the whole movie. And it's to the point to where, like, I'll say it before the lines happen. So like we start the movie and stuff like that. Um, and all of a sudden I just start going for God's sakes, Harold, can you please just get a taxi? I'm trying to get a taxi. And then the son, you're going the wrong way. Let me put that map away. We look like tourists. Hi, honey. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I got the whole thing by heart. Um, but I love this film so much. I think, um, you know, so let's just talk about like the opening. So as a kid, this was my only introduction to Batman. I watched some of the, you know, TV series growing up. I, end up, I eventually started reading a lot of the comics, but this was my Batman as a kid. Whenever I think of Batman, this is what I thought of. So the beginning scene where, you know, the two, um, criminals rob the couple and the kid and uh they're just up on the up on the rooftops and they're talking about you know ooh American Express card don't leave home without it and they're talking about Batman and the one guy's like I heard the bat got him the bat oh man give me a break will you five stories straight down there wasn't no blood it was all over the pavement you know that scene was just amazing because these guys, they just look rough. And I wasn't really big into a bunch of movies back then, but this was such a gritty look. Even as a kid, I was like, these guys are filthy. And all of a sudden you hear a little, you hear a little rustle. And all of a sudden, Batman. Michael Keaton as freaking Batman. I mean, it was, it's an incredible scene, but it's 
few years back, I was listening to Kevin Smith's podcast, and he was basically giving a running commentary of this film, a film that he loved when he saw it and stuff like that. Unfortunately, now he kind of talks crap about it in terms of like his commentaries and stuff, but he says a lot of stuff that makes sense. Like, this is our introduction to Batman. This is a lot of people's introduction to Batman. In this scene, he doesn't save the couple from getting robbed. And he really doesn't even give the money back or anything like that. He literally beats these guys up and lets one go just so he could say they could go out and tell everybody that Batman's there. So he doesn't actually do any of that rescuing type stuff. And the beginning of this movie always just really sets it up for me. And I love, you know, let's keep keep going a little bit. You know, we come to the Wayne Manor, the benefit this is after we've been introduced to um, Vicky Vale and Alexander Knox. Vicky Vale is somebody that I knew was like in the comics and stuff like that, but I always just knew her from this movie. Alexander Knox obviously was just kind of created for this movie as like somebody that we can relate to. He's like us. He's like the audience. He is the vehicle which we're introduced into this world, and he gives a lot of little exposition at the beginning of the movie asking people questions. He's very annoying, but I, I still think he's a fun character. I don't really not like anybody in this whole film. But, you know, we have... Um, I, keep, I keep forgetting his name. Um, you know, he plays Alfred. He was in... Uh, let's see. Michael Go. He was in a lot of Hammer films, but I didn't know that at the time. I have since seen a lot of Hammer films with him in it. So you have him as Alfred, and I would say that a lot of people for many years, whenever they heard of Alfred or thought of Alfred, that's who they pictured in their mind. And then we get to Jack Nicholson as Jack Napier, which I always loved his whole, his whole outfit and his whole... Uh, demeanor he's definitely very uh and it took me like as an adult to realize that he was actually pretty pretty psychotic and you didn't really notice it really as a kid because of the fact that you know you don't see that you just know he's the villain but he does do a lot of things that's purely jack nicholson um but yeah he's pretty much a sociopath i love that jack palance is his boss his right hand man or he's the right hand man of jack palance who uh wakes up one day and realizes that my friend your luck is about to change get me lieutenant Eckhart. because he finds out his buddy jack has been sleeping with his mistress and so he wants to kill him because of it and that leads to the series of events that leads to him becoming the joker when batman drops him in the vat of chemicals. Well, technically he slipped and Batman was actually trying to help him out a little bit, but, and then he became the Joker and became even more psychotic. But I really, really like Jack Palance and that character at that age. All I knew of Jack Palance was that he was in Shane and that he was in city slickers, which was a favorite of my dad's growing up. So that was something that was always on. Um, but like I said, I don't really like want to go scene by scene with this movie, but 
I love how it unfolds. We actually see, because if you went into this movie and you didn't know anything about Batman, really kind of at first, you don't really realize that he is Bruce Wayne is Batman until, you know, Commissioner Gordon's at the benefit and all of a sudden he disappears and he's sitting at his um, desk and you're like, oh, so he's Batman because you don't he doesn't really ever say I'm Batman up until that point, even though if you're watching the movie, you're like, OK, Michael Heaton's Batman. But you don't know what happened with his parents. You're wondering why he's going to this um, abandoned theater and leaving roses. You don't know any of this stuff. So it really sets up the mystery. So once we get to the controversial, well, there's really two controversial things at the end of the movie that kind of rub people the wrong way in hindsight. One was that the Joker was the one who killed Batman's parents. I think that considering they were trying to do something different, Tim Burton didn't really know a lot about the comics at the time. He had just read, you know, the Dark Knight Returns and stuff for inspiration. Um, you could do a whole episode on the pre-production of Batman. But I think it's a great little twist, and I loved it as a kid. And it's just like how every other iteration of Batman has a different, even some of the comics, different people have killed him or killed his parents in the comics. And it's really, um, I think it's a fun little twist, especially for a first big movie. You know, up until this point, we just had the Batman serials, the Batman TV show, Batman the movie, and then really Superman the movie from the 70s was a big step in these kind of movies being made. So I thought it was a great twist. I know it's still somewhat controversial. And the other one is the fact that um, Vicky Vale was led into the Batcave by Alfred, which the whole movie, Alfred is like really trying to get Batman or get Bruce and Vicky Vale together. But it is kind of interesting how he just kind of let her in, which that's a whole nother scenario, like a whole nother situation that you could do an episode about talking about the writer strike that was going on. Sam Hamm, who wrote the screenplay, there was a rewrite and he couldn't write it, but somebody else, um, you know, added that in to the screenplay. I don't know who, who it was. There's the other guy named Warren Scarin who co-wrote the screenplay with him, but Sam Hamm that's the he came up with the story and stuff and he has said that he is not the one who wrote that and actually in batman returns the screenplay was by dana waters and the story was by sam ham and dana waters but there was that throwaway line uh where alfred is talking to bruce about about security and all this kind of stuff and randomly bruce is like Security. I'm not the one who let Vicky Vale into the Batcave. I looked up and she was there. Like it was so random, but it was so hilarious because it was kind of like a, you know, a throwaway line about the whole situation. But I think it works in the movie too. You know, it's, if there was never any other Batman movie, you have a complete story. You have him, you know, Vicky knowing he's Batman and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's fine. I could see where the issues are and people have complained about that over the years. It's kind of just fun and fun to me now. It's hilarious. I'm like, Oh, there she is. And then Alfred just kind of like walks away. Um, and instead of walking in and Vicky's like, 
oh my gosh, you're Batman. Oh my gosh. She just walks up the stairs and sees all this stuff and she's just like, he might think I'm crazy, but that wasn't just another night for either of us, was it? We both got to each other, didn't we? Like talking about the night that they hooked up. So it's just, it's funny, but it works in the context of this film. So, you know, at the time the budget was $48 million, it made $411 or it was $48 million. It made $411 million. That is huge. And it was huge at the time. Um, so yeah, this film is just huge to me and I will always love it. conclusion of this whole episode I have had this film multiple times on VHS multiple times on DVD multiple times on Blu-ray I don't have the 4k yet but that is down the road I will eventually get it but I just love this film so much I have the novel I actually got it at a antique store like eight years ago or so I have this cool thing that my wife got me it's like an old VHS tape, Batman VHS tape with a light in it to where you could lean it up and it's like a little lamp, just kind of like a de decorative thing. This film has just made, made such an impact on my film-loving life and my life in general because of movies, comics. Uh, I started watching a lot of Jack Nicholson, Jack Nicholson movies because of this film. I got really into just different film noirs and all that stuff just because of the style of this film other Tim Burton films, obviously Beetlejuice, Pee-wee's Big Adventure at the time. I actually didn't get into Batman Returns until years later, but that's another film that I like that maybe one day I'll talk about. But um, I think that is going to be it for this episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Thank you so much to all of you who have subscribed, who have sent me messages letting me know how much you are enjoying the podcast quality will be getting better over time obviously especially with my new mic and stuff so thank you for sticking with me through the rough patch of first few episodes and i am really excited for what i have in store for you guys i think you guys are going to have a fun time be sure to share it around let people know that this exists and that you like it send me messages anytime let me know how you like it obviously this isn't like youtube where you just like comment under all the different episodes and like say what you think but if you want to tell me feel free i'm on twitter i'm on instagram just put in my name and i'll be there all right so i have one more question for you guys have you ever danced with the devil in the pale moonlight thank you guys so much for listening later Thank you.